0: Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge College Football Show Week 8 edition. I'm your host, Alabelle. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you today. But I'll tell you what, before we get into this week, let's take a look at how we did last week here. Not bad. Some greens, some reds. The collective pick, our Minnesota-Illinois we had the under 39 and a half, comes in at 40. Brutal, brutal break on that one. Michael Roberts coming through, man. Had him a strong day. Tell you what,
1: we the stars of the
2: show. Enough of me. Nobody wants to see me. First off, my man, Michael Roberts, as we were speaking about. How are we doing, sir? You're doing excellent, man. i uh, ready to get on with the show and hear what the guys all have to say, their picks, and uh, kill it. This is the time we should have enough information to. Really crush it from here on out, right? I mean, we know the teams. We know who they are. I think we have an edge.
0: I think we do, sir. I think we do as well. Chip Patterson, how are we doing, sir?
1: Oh, not unless you know who's breaking up with their girlfriend. Stresses of the season. Erratic performances. This is when you got to also know all the vibes. I tell you what, I had that San Jose State play. And San Jose State played just one of its worst games of the entire season, and you could just see it in their faces. I, how, how could I have known that the Devontae Adams night was going to play such an impact on them as well? So I, I knew right off the bat, just looking at their sideline, body language, uh, we must have been breaking up with a lot of girlfriends on that road trip to Fresno. <laughs>
0: Well, we are getting at, we're getting close to holiday season, so if you're going to do it, you know you do it before Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? I mean, that's Thanks. the way to go about it. And also, you know, any cameramen out there for Devontae Adams' night, like apologies to them. I'm sure, it's tough. Tom Nelly. look at sharp as always, sir. How are we doing?
3: Uh doing okay. I've had a couple rough weeks in a row here. We're looking to rebound from that. You know, we're used to putting together winning weeks. We don't we don't want to go 500 or just slightly below. We want to have winners. So uh, we're going to get back to that this week. You know what? I'm making the prediction: going undefeated
0: boom i love it now i'll say as a show like you guys literally sit right at 50 percent. so you know you're you're fine like you guys are gonna crush it you always do this is the time bam get through it and jake fender as always my man looking good how we doing how's the model looking what are you looking at so far this week
4: so the model's been good we actually had our best week in a while we got off the schneid uh we went five and two on the model eight picks last week we're looking good. We're, we're bouncing back. Everything, as Micah said, it's just been a warm up to get to right here. Or I mean, we were just two points away from having a four in one week. I think my Notre Dame pick was the only pick I regret last week. I didn't know Tommy DeVito was definitely going to start that that line moved to 40 and a half before game time. So if you waited, you would have had that pick. Yeah, but uh, we're, we're looking a lot better now.
0: All right. There we go. All right. We'll take that. You know what? We'll take that. All right. Let's get into the storylines that affect the betting lines for this week. And Micah, going to start with you. We've got a big matchup, man. UNLV at Notre Dame. Notre Dame coming off that loss to Stanford. Break it down,
2: buddy. What do you see? Well, I can't, I can't bet him. I mean, it's been a tough, but I just want to say four wins on the season. Four and three. This has been exciting. The most exciting I've had in probably a decade with UNLV football. And maybe two decades. It's been a while. And it's been fun. But then you see... Just the breakdown. So, Doug Broomfield's concussion protocol, he's missed the last two games or is knocked out of the first one. Last two, 40 to 7 and 42 to 7. The one beat down with San Jose State, I was with Chip. I thought that was a Precursor to what was going to happen against Fresno State. Nope, not the case. And then also the running back, Aiden Robbins, 579 yards and eight touchdowns. He's banged up. Probably not going to play either. So I had expectations. I circled this. I go, yes, this is big-time college football. Got a shot. I remember seeing them beat uh, Wisconsin a couple years ago. Um, But I can't do it now. Even after Notre Dame lost 16-14, 25-and-a-half is a lot of points. But you saw the last two games. Quarterback situations, everything and the backups did not look good. So um, for the last five under Notre Dame, maybe that might be the way to go there. Uh, that that would be the only way I go. But I'll still be rooting the Rebels on
0: it. There we go, man. There we go, indeed. All right, now coming over to you, Tom Fornelli. Uh, As Chip kind of mentioned, man, like we're getting – we're into week eight, right, of the college football season. We're well into conference play. Uh, you're looking at – could be a lot of ones – well, we've got a lot of one-score spreads – And we need to prepare for a little bit of chaos, man. Break that down. What do you say?
3: Yeah, just I saw the stat this morning. The number of games this weekend that have a one-score spread, seven points or lower, are 63%, which is pretty high for a week. And I think that that's kind of indicative of the schedule itself where we're getting into the heart of conference season. There's, you know, while Tennessee's playing like UT Martin, you're typically not seeing a whole lot of Power 5 versus Cupcake games. You're also seeing just kind of nationally at large, like, there really isn't the kind of dominant team that we have seen in recent years that has really established itself. Like, you know, Alabama lost last week to Tennessee. Georgia has struggled. Ohio State really has been tested too much lately, so you don't know what to expect there. And I just think that, you know, in a season that's kind of been somewhat unpredictable already, when you see as many one-score spreads, you know, that means we're got, we, we're expecting close games, and when you expect close games, one or two plays here and there can completely turn things on their heads. So it might be a very chaotic weekend. So you know, keep that in mind before you're making your plays this week,
0: dude. That's good advice, right there. You're right, and especially I mean, the college football like one play can literally change the entire game. Now, speaking of not only in games, but looking for the entire season, especially for conference championships. Uh, Chip, you're looking at the Big 12 and the Pac-12 in terms of the title races that we're currently in. What do you see, man? Break it down.
1: I mean, it's just so much fun. We're going to start talking way too much about the college football playoff and two conferences that I think are going to play their way out of the college football playoff are the Big 12 and the Pac-12. But I don't want us to forget about that because that is some of the best football or at least the most entertaining you know, conference play that we're going to have because the Big 12 has four top 20 teams. The Pac-12 has four top 20 teams. Last week, we got to see USC go up against Utah. This week, we're going to see Oregon against UCLA. In the Big 12, we've got TCU and Kansas State a week after getting TCU and Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State, by the way, you now have to play Texas. I think in each of these conferences, there are four teams that are competing for two spots. Cause remember no divisions in the PAC 12, no divisions in the big 12 head to head tiebreakers will decide who is going to be going to the conference championship games. And those head to head tiebreakers are being decided on weekends like this. So it's just so much fun. Absolutely massive. Again, I think how competitive the big 12 and the PAC 12 title races are going to be might knock those conferences from the college football playoff, but it is some of my favorite college football that we have here in 2022.
0: Yeah. Well said, man. Well said. All right. Let's get into our picks for this week. And Chip, I'll tell you what, I'm going to stay right here with you. All right. You've got uh, Louisiana Monroe at army. You're going Louisiana Monroe plus seven. Break it down. What do you say?
1: Hold your nose with this one. I understand that I'm asking you to trust ULM on the road in Mikey stadium against army. But I tell you what, I think the Warhawks are close. You know, they had a lead against South Alabama, let it slip away, seven-point game there, seven-point game against Coastal Carolina. They got the rivalry win against Louisiana. I just think that this is an opportunity for us to get the... If it gets under a touchdown, then I'm out. But Army doesn't look right. This Army team is, has not been up to the par that we've expected under Jeff Monken. And so I think that as ULM... It's really, really close. And I think that as Army looks definitely off of its standard, there might be a little bit of an opportunity. I'm definitely putting Army on upset alert. So give me all the seven points.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, you know, it's interesting that, that we start with that game because Fornelli, I'm gonna throw it to you. We're gonna get out of sync here for just one second because you have a play on this game as well. And of course, when there's a service academy involved, right? Like Fornelli's in on this. But yeah, Louisiana Monroe Army, you're taking the under. 55 and a half.
3: Break it up. Yeah, I did not think we were going to have two people making plays on ULM Army this week on the show, but here we are. Uh, uh, yeah, this is – these two teams both move very slowly. Like, obviously, Army has the much higher rushing rate, but being a tri- triple option offense, they're not moving at much tempo. ULM not moving at much tempo because technically, you know, when you look at their roster compared to a lot of the teams that they're playing, you know – Harry Bowden's boys don't really have the kind of talent that they have to match up with. They're one of the least talented teams in the Sun Belt, So they're trying to slow games down and limit possessions overall to stay within games, give them chances to win. And they're doing a pretty decent job of it, which is why I don't hate chips play there on the, on the Warhawks to cover the spread, but the total for this one's at 55 and a half. And to be blunt, my numbers have it at 46. So Woo! Yeah, that's a lot of value on this one. So I'm all over the under here.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, 55 and a half. Like, it seems massive, right? You said, what did you say? You said 46 and a half there? 46, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that is a lot of value. All right, speaking of value. All right, Micah, coming over to you. You got Florida International plus 14 and a half. Break this one down, man. What do you say?
2: Well, this is a matchup of the two, bottom two of 14 worst teams in college football. The only team that's worst rated then Florida International is UMass, uh, a couple points below. But I saw something last week that really um, I liked with Florida International, and I took 33 points against Texas San Antonio. And they were pretty good, a lot better than I'd seen them earlier this season, and statistically what they've done is they've handled the ball more uh, with the running game, and the defense has played better, and they only lost 30-10. to 10. Uh, Two of their – Two of their, uh, their only two covers have come in the last three games here, but the run game. So I got 137 against uh, San Antonio, 153 against Connecticut, and 162 against New Mexico, which was their only uh, win against, uh, you know, uh, FBS opponents. So I, I look for the, it's a lot of points here. Chris Reynolds has done, uh, looked okay, but they're 0 3 at home so far, 0 4 against the spread, their last four, and they're Charlotte. They're not. Very good. I mean, there, there's a reason there, but this is a lot of points. So I think it's going to be a closer game than the spread indicates. I'll take the point. And you know what? FIU deserves a win. Maybe they get the win, too. Who knows?
1: Hey, much love to the uh, the pride of Chattanooga, Will Healy. But Charlotte don't deserve to be favored by 14 and a hook exactly. against anybody. No. Love that play, Micah.
0: Yeah. like, And I don't know what has happened to Charlotte because Will Healy last year, I mean, he was the bell of the ball. You know what I mean? And it has just dropped like that. So, yeah, well done on that one. All right, Fetner, coming over to you, buddy. Uh, a team total here. Uh, we're looking at Cincinnati at SMU. You got Cincinnati team total over 30 and a half. Bring it down, M.O.D.C.
4: Yeah, I think 30 and a half is way too low here. We have this Cincinnati's total coming at 37 in this game. SMU's defense is terrible. They've allowed 34-plus points in their last four games. The, this number is a little lower because of all the injuries to Cincinnati, but they are coming off a bye week. Ben Bryant had a concussion their last game oh. against USF, which is why they only put up 28, but their offense was rolling before that. They get Corey Kiner back. Charles McClellan, they're running back at a huge game in their last game against USF. He kind of carried them to that victory. I, I don't see them scoring under 30 points here.
0: There we go, man. There we go. Well said. All right. Uh, Chip, coming back up to you. Your weekly play here, I'm liking it. You uh-huh. taking Duke? Yeah,
1: so. yeah.
0: <laughs> Duke plus nine, man. Break it up.
1: Yeah, I don't trust Miami to cover more than a touchdown at 12:30 p.m. Eastern time on Jefferson Pilot. Like that just has all the <laughs> makings of a game that's not particularly well attended. That the juice will be a little bit lacking, and I mean Duke's just a Duke's just the kind of team that is enough of a thorn in your side and look they they almost had the tar heels last week uh, on Saturday night I, yeah they did I, I think Duke is capable of going in there and making this very uncomfortable for Miami I don't trust Miami's offense to be able to run away and hide from anybody so yeah give me uh give me a sleepy hard rock stadium and Duke to go in there and make things uncomfortable uh, I'll take all nine points.
0: There we go. And look, I did, I'll tell you this, man. You brought up Jefferson Pilot, dude. I missed those games at like 11-14 oh. Central. Dave Neal, Dave Rowe, Dave. Be- Everybody was named Dave that was on the game. Did they just say, hey, Dave, what do you think about that? Uh-huh. dude. I missed those days. <laughs> the Jefferson Pilot game is fantastic. All right, Fidelity, coming over to you. All right. We've got Indiana at Rutgers. Clearly the game of the year that mm-hmm. everybody's paying attention to here. You're on Indiana plus three and a half. Bring it up.
3: Yeah. Who will finish in sixth place in the big Ten? <laughs> we find out this weekend in Piscataway. Uh, this is just, I don't think this is a great matchup for Rutgers. I think that Indiana, if you followed them this season is one of the most pass heavy teams in the country. Like I think they're fourth overall, as far as the rate of plays in which they're dropping back to throw a pass. And while they're not great at it, they stick to it and it's what they do. And if you look at Rutgers, Like Overall, its numbers against the pass are pretty decent, but then you kind of start digging in and you see that, first of all, it's played Boston College, Wagner, Temple, Iowa, and Nebraska, which aren't great passing offenses. And the one one passing offense it faced, Ohio State, tore it apart. And I'm not comparing Indiana to Ohio State. Let's be clear about that. But I think that the Hoosiers will be able to find success in the passing game against this Rutgers defense. On the other side... Rutgers is just so hard to trust on offense. They do not move the ball well or efficiently at all. And I have a a difficult time looking at this game and thinking that even if Rutgers pulls off the win, they're not going to be able to pull more than a field goal away from Indiana. They just don't have the offensive firepower to do it. So this is going to be close. I would lean towards Indiana winning outright, but I would much rather have the three and a half points because this is just going to be kind of an ugly kind of game.
0: Yeah, it makes sense, man. And I'll tell you what, Fedner, you're on the same play. Indiana plus three and a half. Yeah, dude, I know. Break it down. What are you seeing from it?
4: I'm on it for the exact same reasons. So Indiana's won the game in Piscataway the last three times they played there. I think they're the better team. They should have won last week. They blew that game against Maryland, especially after Talia Tagovailoa came out injured. I think they're the better team. We have enough value for an A on Indiana plus 135. I don't know why this game's at three and a half for Rutgers. I, I mean, I like Indiana here.
0: Well, it's kind of like you know what Fornelli just said. Like, I mean, it's just tough to, it's just tough to, it's tough to trust. Like, it's just tough. It's to hard trust to right. trust them.
4: I don't trust Connor Bat and Bat- Basilek or whatever his name is uh, yet. But um, I mean, they're, they're pass heavy. I don't trust R- Rutgers defense. I, I if I, if a team's an underdog in this game, I'm going to take the underdog. Yeah,
3: there there you are go. So you, you go. there are very few matchups in which if you have Connor Basilek, you have the quarterback advantage. But this is one. <laughs>
0: Exactly. It is. So you're not, you guys aren't chopping wood up there. All right. Finelli coming back at you. Another gun. We've got Purdue at Wisconsin. You've got Purdue plus two and a half. Break that one down.
3: Uh, Disrespectful line. This is, I mean, (laughs) Purdue is right now tied with Illinois at top the Big Ten West division. They are the two primary contenders. And the one thing Purdue has that most of the other teams in the Big Ten West do not have is an offense. And an offense that's willing to push the ball vertically. And this Wisconsin defense, like it's ironic that this is the year Jim Leonard finally gets his shot at being the head coach, being named the intern to replace Paul Chris, because he's been the quote-unquote coach and waiting for a while, because Wisconsin's defense has always been phenomenal. But this is the weakest Wisconsin defense that they've had in a long time. The pass rush that we typically see from them is not there. The back end in the secondary, there are a lot of holes in it. And I, we saw Illinois a few weeks ago ex, expose some of them. And Illinois is not an explosive passing attack. Purdue can be. And I think that going into this matchup, honestly, Purdue should be favored. My numbers say Purdue is about a one point favorite here. They're only, they're catching two and a half or they're two and a half point dogs. So there's the home field advantage. But I just don't, I don't think, I don't trust the Badgers. It's kind of the same situation with Rutgers. Graham Mertz's numbers in a lot of ways aren't as bad as you think overall. Like He's been pretty good on third down. It's just in first and second down, they don't really provide much. Braylon Allen, if you can get rid of him or take him out of the picture, it's a big deal, and I think that's the one thing. If you look at Purdue defensively, they have not been great against the pass, but they've actually done a very good job against the run. So I think the Boilermakers in this matchup can take Braylon Allen out, maybe not stop him completely, but not make him – at least make Wisconsin figure out ways to move the ball through the air. And I just don't trust Wisconsin to do that. And I think Purdue's going to be able to. So again, I'm taking the points, but I really like Purdue to win this one outright.
0: There you go, man. And I'll tell you what, like the 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 central theme of this week seems to be like there's just no trust, right? Like just no trust across the board. And it goes along, Fornelli, with exactly what your storyline was saying. All right, Fetner, I want you to break down two games for me here, back to back, okay. So first, we've got Northern Illinois at Ohio, you've got the over 65 and a half in that one. And then Wake Forest team total over 40 and a half against Boston College. Start with the uh, Ohio Northern Illinois and then go into Wake Forest.
4: So a big trend in our model this week is Mac overs. We love overs in a bunch of Mac games. And honestly, they've been scoring a lot of points. There's not much defense in the MAC at this time of the year. I guess it's good weather in Ohio, good weather in Illinois. And these teams are putting up some numbers. We have this game totaling 71. I like this as long as it's under 70. Both teams are putting up ridiculous numbers. They're not stopping anyone. Give me the over there. And then for Wake Forest, a team total over 40 and a half. I don't see Boston College stopping them. Wake Forest is coming off a bye. Sam Hartman should light them up. Oh, uh, Dave Clawson, after bye weeks, he's averaging 52 and a half points over the last five seasons. Give me Wake Forest team total there.
0: The claw fence, my dude. The claw fence is there. I like it. All right, our last one here they we're going to get in our big six games uh, is Fornelli. And we've got another barn burner, Georgia Southern at Old Dominion, which I joke about, like the names, this game's actually going to be Pretty legit. Like, these are two somewhat pretty legit teams. I like it. You've got Georgia Southern plus two and a half. Break
3: that one down. Yeah, like, Georgia Southern's good. Like, they they went into Lincoln earlier this year, and they beat Nebraska. And it pretty much ended up getting Scott Frost fired for good although that was always bound to happen, but like it kind of got written off as like a huge upset, but like Georgia Southern has continued to be a very good football team. Like their losses have come to UAB on the road. They lost to coastal Carolina by four on the road. They lost to Georgia state by eight on the road. But last week they pulled off the upset, went over a James Madison team that had finally cracked the AP top 25. And everybody was really high on They beat a ball state team. That's proven to be pretty decent in the Mac and old dominion to me. Like I know last week they just knocked off coastal Carolina themselves. And Old Dominion beat Virginia Tech earlier this year. So, like, this is not a bad monarch's team. It's just when I look at these two teams and I break them down, Old Dominion's got the better defense, Georgia Southern has the better offense. I still think that of the four units, the Georgia Southern offense is the best unit on the field. I think that they could take advantage of some of old not old Dominion's defense, whereas I don't trust Old Dominion's offense. There's that word is again. But <laughs> so I just I look at this one and again, it's kind of like similar situation to the other picks. I think the wrong team is favored. I think Georgia Southern is going to win this game. And if I can get points with them, do it. If you want to take them on the money line, I don't hate that either, especially if you can get it around 120 or better. So, Love it, man. Love it indeed. All right, let's get into our big six games of the week.
0: But before we do, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our partners. And we are back. All right, our first game up here, right? All right. Now we've, had, we've seen already some significant line movement in this game. All right, so we've got seventh-ranked Ole Miss at LSU. Uh, LSU is now favored, minus one and a half. It, it opened, I believe, Ole Miss minus two. All right, so we've moved LSU minus one and a half, a total of 66 and a half. Micah, I'm going to start with you. You've got an official play here on LSU minus one and a half. Break it down, what do you say?
2: Yeah, I do like LSU, but I think we got uh, my games that I had official and not flip-flopped. Um, that's, but, my,
0: that's not me then, yeah. go yeah, ahead. no, no problem.
2: But the thing is uh, about this, I think I've got the better defense with LSU. I think I've got the home-field edge, and the home-field has been uh, covered the last four meetings between these two, and a better quarterback, and I think they're more battle-tested. I think, uh, you know, LSU has, you know, gone the new quarterback. They've got the – Uh, Jaden Daniels from ASU, two Pac-12 quarterbacks here, too. But I think he's been a lot better than Jackson Dart, and Dart's done some good things for Mississippi. They had an amazing run attack against Auburn their last time, 448 yards rushing. That was really good. But their best win is still against Kentucky, 22-9. And I I think with Daniels, I mean, what he's doing now, 69% passing, 10 touchdowns, only one interception, eliminating the turnovers. And he's also their leading rusher at over 400 yards a game and six touchdowns. And then I got the look ahead for Ole Miss. So they're riding high. They're one of three teams undefeated in the SEC so far. And after LSU, they got to go to A&M. That's not going to be pretty. Then Bama, that's not going to work out well. Arkansas is going to be a tough one. And then Mississippi State on Thanksgiving. That's a tough road ahead. So maybe they try to get this here. But I think there's something looking at the schedule saying, yeah, maybe we could go out. I don't know. It's going to be tough. And this is going to be the one that uh, hits them right in the nose here. I think LSU home field gets the win. And I think Daniels has a big game.
0: There we go, man. There we go. Now, Chip. You have an official play in this game. You like the under 66 and a half. Break that down.
1: I sure do. Um, Yes, (laughs) Ole Miss is a team that plays with tempo, but they're not throwing it around the yard. And in fact, as they are playing with tempo, they are running. They are number three in the nation in rushing yards per game. They are number five in the nation in number of rush attempts on the season. And that's including these service academies that build their whole identity on running. They have multiple backs that are capable of going for over 100 yards as they had three go for over three different rushers go for over 100 yards. Jackson Dart gets to be a part of that run game, too. Jackson Dart's not great at throwing the ball. So the clock is going to keep running, even as Ole Miss plays with the breakneck pace. And then on the other side, LSU's path to victory here, as they are the favorite in the game is to keep that Ole Miss offense off the field. It's to run the ball just a little bit. And so I think that Jayden Daniels using his legs, I think that the ground game does become really important for LSU. You know, try to put together long drives, third down conversions. Daniels has been very good on third down. So, you know, all of it shapes up into what will probably be a little bit of a sweat. But if if you want a little, you know, deodorant for that perspiration, just look back at that Kentucky game, 22-19. to 19 not all these games are going to be sh- a shootout like we saw against Auburn so uh, give me the under 66 and a half
0: yeah I mean you know you've got two teams that are essentially I mean they're led by their defenses right like and they're two defenses that are continuing to get better so yeah I, I feel you on that now uh Fetner and Fornelli uh neither of you have an official play on this game but you both went the same route so Fornelli I'll throw it to you first Fetner follow him up you both lean Ole Miss on the money line at plus 110.
3: Yeah, it's a very complicated thought process behind this one. But what it boils down to is this. To me, this is a coin flip. So if I can get plus 110 on a <laughs> coin flip, I'm going to take that.
0: I like it. You know what? That's well said. That's well said. Fetner, follow him up. That's going to be tough to follow up, too. That is tough to follow up. The model loves old Miss here. We have them winning by six,
4: which I think is a little much. I do lean old Miss. I was at the LSU Florida game, and both defenses were really rough. Jaden Daniels was the best player he made Florida's defense look silly, he, but I think Ole Miss has a better defense than Florida. LSU's run game is, is what scares me. I don't think they could really run the ball on Ole Miss. They don't have to rely on Jaden Daniels to throw the ball. Ole Miss has the better run game, that's why I like them on the money line.
0: There we go, man. All right, our next game that we have. 20th-ranked Texas, a six-and-a-half-point favorite at Oklahoma State, who is ranked 11th. Why is Texas a six-and-a-half-point favorite? in this game, and a total of 61. The question is going to be answered. Chip, you have an official play on this one. Oklahoma State plus six
2: and a half.
1: Well, because in some power ratings, Texas with Quinn Ewers is a top six, top seven team in the entire country. I mean, the belief of what Ewers adds to this Longhorns offense, in addition to what had already been proven by Texas's defense, has you know Texas much higher in the Vegas power ratings than they are in the AP top 25. But my Oklahoma State pick, has nothing to do with power ratings. No, no sharps are wrong. 40% of the time and computers don't know humans and dad it. This Oklahoma state team is going to find a way to get up off the mat. They ain't going to lose two in a row. No, not right. Chia, because this Oklahoma state team doesn't quite make sense. And so as I look at this game, I, I ultimately come down to this because Texas can win. This is Quinn Ewers first true road start. And, I think that we saw against Iowa State at home, Sark had to take the ball out of his hands. When it was time for Texas to win that game against Iowa State, it was Bijan Robinson. It was Roshan Johnson. It was a power run game, which for Texas' big picture is something that will be important for them to have. But I think after going through the Iowa State game, now you're hitting the road to go to Stillwater. Spencer Sanders is capable of filling it up and putting some points on the board. I, I just think that I will take these points because I think it's decided by three or four either way.
0: Dude, we got a dad gum and a right chip, both in that analysis. Like that's going to be impossible to beat. All right, not official plays here, but Micah and Fetner, you both lean on Oklahoma State plus six and a half. So Micah, hit us with it, and then Fetner, follow
2: him up. Yeah, this is an official play. I took to six and a half. It's a bet that I've already made, and it's just it's egregious. The point spread's too much. We're looking at a, a really good team like Oklahoma State getting points at home. The underdog is 5-0 and in the last uh, – and 5-0 ATS in the last five meetings. And the game last week is should be an eye-opener with, uh, with the Iowa State 24-21. Uh, they've gone under their last three games. Good defense, Texas. I just I, – I, I see Sanders winning the game. Those game, They play a lot of close games, and I think they're uh, ready and, and tested. I, I think they're going to win the game against Texas. There so go. that's plus 192 on the money line if you like that.
0: Nice, nice. All right, Federer?
4: So our model agrees here. We have Oklahoma State winning by two. I think six and a half is way too much here. I liked it at Oklahoma State at four and a half. I love it at six and a half. It's not official play, but it's a heavy lean. I, I like Spencer Sanders. He is a little banged up. He has the shoulder problem. I'm not sure if I trust Quinn Ewers just yet. They they had to run the ball, be John Robinson, carry them to their victory over Iowa State. Give me Oklahoma State six and a half, plus six and a half.
0: All right, there we go, man. There we go. Now, for not an official play, but you lean the opposite side here, man. You lean Texas minus six and a half.
3: What do you say? I mean, I'm wearing burnt orange. What other direction can I go? (laughs) That just touched on it. Spencer Sanders is not 100%. We saw it last week against TCU. He got off to a pretty good start in that game, but as the game went on, he just progressively got worse and worse, as did the Oklahoma State offense, which allowed TCU to come back. Defensively, TCU Quentin Johnston is awesome TCU knows it. TCU just kept going to him over and over and over again, and the Cowboys couldn't stop it. Well, Texas has a couple of Quentin Johnsons of its own, and it had more than one, so it's going to be able to kind of confuse the Oklahoma State defense, and I think that with a banged up Spencer Sanders, I know this is Quinn Ewers' first road start, but Quinn Ewers is the better quarterback in this matchup. Texas has the better overall collection of talent on offense than Oklahoma State does. Defensively, I give the slight edge to the Cowboys, but Texas' defense has been pretty good itself in recent weeks and i think that the longhorns honestly i've i've been talking about this on cover three all season long chip you and i've been getting yelled at for it all season long i don't think oklahoma state has ever been as good as its record has shown and i think that last week was just kind of a start of a correction for the cowboys in which they're going to end up being an eight and four team and i think losing this one is part of the reason they'll be eight and four and i think texas is going to win by a touchdown so give me the horns hook them (laughs)
0: <laughs> hook him oh. indeed man hook him indeed all right our next game here we've got 14th ranked Syracuse at fifth ranked Clemson Clemson a 13 and a half point favorite a total of 50 Micah throw it over to you this is an official play I believe right Syracuse yes. plus 13 and a half I got you now. I, I messed up you were perfect I messed no, up I
2: didn't write it out right I should have <laughs> no, 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 you're good anyway. Syracuse
0: Syracuse plus 13 and a half, man. What are you seeing out of this?
2: Yeah, I don't remember a, a time ever where Syracuse had the statistically better offense and defense facing Clemson. And we got a 37-game home win streak. We've got for the first time ever in Death Valley. I just read this today that two and 6-0 teams are better are meeting in Death Valley. So this is a big game. And Syracuse has done extremely well competitive. Six and two ATS their last Uh, eight meetings last season. Clemson was not as good, but they eked out a win 17, 14. And I like what Syracuse has just played so well and they've stayed under the radar of winning close games, battle tested and Garrett Schrader. I heard him on a a podcast and he said, yeah, I I think we're going to win. I think we can win. He says, this is the moment. This is the moment that they've been going for and he's proved it. He's done extremely well. Um, this season, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely there's so many angles there for Syracuse to play well and be incentivized to stay undefeated and knock Syrac- or Clemson out, and that's about plus four oh five on the money line if you think they can knock out Clemson, and I do think they have the possibility, but I like the points a lot better.
0: Beautiful man, yeah, no, no, well said there, and I'll tell you what, all right, uh, uh, Chip. Not an official play for you, but you lean Syracuse plus 13 and a half the same way, man. Bring it up.
1: Yeah, I mean, this total has been taking a nosedive. I mean, it's already down at like 49 and a half right now, and it opened around 51 or 51 and a half. I generally think that this is going to be low scoring. I think that Clemson will be able to move the ball but struggle to score touchdowns. I Listen, uh, the Fetch Show always has our player props. Give me... BT Potter field goal attempts over whatever the number is, because Syracuse has really good corners that I think are going to cause problems when it's time for DJ to try to punch it in Syracuse's defense. I think is going to be able to bow up against Will Shipley in the run. I think that again, we are going to see a situation where it feels like Clemson's dominating, but all these times that they're, Uh, trading a three for a seven, I think that that's going to end up catching up on the scoreboard. I think Syracuse scores just enough to be able to hang inside this number under feels right. But again, that number just continues to drop. It might even be under 49 by game time. So in that case, I'll, I'll kick it on over to the dog again, thinking that Syracuse's red zone defense allows a game that feels like it's being dominated by Clemson actually hang inside the number.
0: All right. All right. Now, speaking of kicking it over, all right, Fetner, uh, you and Fornelli both lean the same way. Not official plays, but you lean here uh, on Clemson with the points minus 13 and a half. So, Fetchell, I'll start with you. Fornelli, follow him up. Syracuse
4: has played Clemson better than most teams in the ACC. They beat them a couple of years ago, too. They just seem to play them close. But I just think Clemson's the much more talented team. DJU is playing better than he has throughout his career. He's playing the best football he has. I think they're a the more talented team. 13 and a half is close. I, I could see Syracuse covering, especially if it's a low-scoring game. I do think this is one of the best kicking matchups in the football with uh, Andre Sch- Smith for Syracuse and BT Potter. So if you do like player props, I'd be all over, over one and a half field goals for both players. Uh, but I just t- I'd lean a more talented team
3: not an official play but not far from being one uh i have a fundamental disagreement with something you said chip you said you think that syracuse will be able to stop clemson's run game that would be incredible because syracuse hasn't stopped anybody's run game yet like going into <laughs> this game they rank 119th nationally in success rate against the run they rank 111th in epa allowed per rush they're just not very good at it and i think that is something clemson will lean on because if you look at who syracuse has played so far this year like the schedule itself is not amazing like they 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 beat purdue which was a good a good win for them but they struggled to get by virginia which has been an awful team this year they opened the season with a surprise win over louisville but i think louisville didn't know what it was in for yet because of the new coaching staff there and i think got caught really off guard but clemson's the one team i feel like can run the ball it's the best rushing they have the best running back of anybody that the orange have faced so far this year and while they've been a good story I just think that that story comes to an end this week. I think Clemson is probably, I'm. I'm a, again, it's not an official play, but I think there is a very real shot at Clemson winning this by three or four scores. All right. All right.
1: Hold like on, baby.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, would, I would probably rather take an alt line on Clemson than the actual spread. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Next game here we got twenty-four ranked, 24th-ranked Mississippi State at 5th-ranked
0: Alabama. Alabama, a 21-point favorite, uh, a total of 61. All right, so, uh, Micah, again, I already loved you before the show, but you go big game hunting, and it makes me happy, dude. All right, so we've got Alabama coming off of uh, that loss to Tennessee and Mississippi State off that game to Kentucky. Like, both of these teams kind of questions in the air. You get an official play under 61 in this one. What do you see?
2: Yeah, I see a lot of uh, tails being kicked in Alabama practice this week. I feel uh, bad for these guys. they got to take all that nonsense after a loss, and this is what they do. They've come back. Uh, the last six losses under has gone 6-0. and The last four meetings with Mississippi State, they've all stayed under, and they've been monster blowouts, and I don't think they were coming off of losses. But last year, 49-9. year before, 41 nothing. 38-7 the year before, and 24 nothing. You can make a case that they should – uh, cover the spread here as well but um, yeah I, I just think Alabama is going to uh, destroy it defensively probably have one of their best defensive games against a team that doesn't run the ball every much and relies a lot on the pass so I think uh, I think Alabama keeps this game under doesn't allow Mississippi State to score too much maybe an under yeah. on Mississippi State uh, total as well.
0: Well you know and I'll tell you this not an official play but Fornelly throwing it over to you because you pretty much feel the exact same way you, you, you lean under 61 as well. What are your thoughts man?
3: Uh, I Mississippi State doesn't do anything against good defenses. And, you know, like Michael was touching on, Alabama gave up 52 points last week. What do you think Nick's going to be harping on in practice this week? He doesn't like giving up points like that. So we are going to be the defenses be getting screamed at all season, especially the secondary, because let's not forget what's Nick's specialty, the defensive backfield. So they got torn apart last week. Nick will be all over their butts to make sure that they are ready for an air raid team like Mike Leach's. And but if you look at Mississippi State on the season, like they put up 49 against Memphis, they put up 39 against Arizona, 45 on Bowling Green and 40 on Arkansas, all of which are bad defenses. Now, Texas A&M has a good defense and they put up 42 against it. But Texas A&M turning the ball over three times in that game kind of helped with that. The two other good defenses they faced are LSU and Kentucky. They scored 16 against LSU. They scored 17 against Kentucky. So I do not see the Bulldogs putting up too many points in this one, but I also don't know for sure what we're going to see from the Alabama offense. So I think the under is the better play here than anything, but I do also like Alabama. I lean towards them on the spread as well.
0: Yeah, makes sense, man. It's totally. It. Now, uh, Chip and Fetner. All right. Uh, I think we lost old Jake there. There we go. Got him back here. All right. Both of you, not official plays, but you both lean. Alabama with the points so Fetner, go ahead break down Alabama and then um, Chip follow him up there
4: so during the season after a loss Alabama in the last five years Alabama's four and O and four and O against the spread they've just dominated teams after a loss Nick Saban's going to be harping on that defense he's going to get them back into shape and two of those games were at Mississippi State and in those games they outscored Mississippi State 87 to 16 I just think that this is a good matchup for Alabama just to to come back after a loss. I I think Alabama wins this handily.
1: (laughs) Solid stat there, Chip. I mean, let's just go simple. Uh, Since Mike Leach arrived at Mississippi State, it's 90 to 9. That is 90 (laughs) points for Alabama and 9 for Mississippi State. Like the under, like Alabama, I think we see something along the lines of 42 to 3. And so, uh, give me the tie. My God, man. Who would say that again? 90 to nine. Yeah. Two matchups between Nick Saban's Alabama and Mike Leach's Mississippi state. The cumulative score is 90 to nine.
0: Not bad. That's covering some spreads right there. I like it, man. Well done. All right. Our next game here. We've got, this is going to be a great game. I can't wait to watch it. Ninth ranked UCLA. All right. At 10th ranked Oregon, Oregon, a six. Uh, what do we have? A six point favorite. Yeah. Uh, total of 69 and a half here. All right. Uh, well, I've actually got six and a half there. All right. So, Micah, coming back over to you. Official play here. UCLA plus six and a half. What do you like?
2: Yeah. First thing, uh, rain expected 100% all day. So, think about that when you're playing the total. Uh, both sides slipping around. Could make for more scores. Could make for less scores. Uh, There's something to think about here. But the momentum of UCLA off of big wins against Washington and Utah, I think, carries them over. Both teams have had a week off to prepare for each other. And I like Chip Kelly in that situation there. Oregon, five straight wins after uh, the 49-3 loss to Georgia. Uh, Good wins against BYU and Washington State. But I think this is a, a... Pretty big upgrade for what they face outside of Georgia. And UCLA doing it all. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Bishop Gorman, Las Vegas. 74% on the season passing. Pretty strong. And 15 touchdowns, to so only two interceptions. Um, yeah, and the last two meetings uh, were only by three points. So I think UCLA, with everything on the line here, if they can get past this game, they get Stanford, then they're at ASU, and then Arizona, and then we'll see that uh, big game against USC. And hopefully it matters. I need, would love to see. I don't think that you know, UCLA is in some of these other top teams in the country. But just to see them have a chance or have being considered to play in the playoffs would be pretty awesome for uh, the conference and UCLA. The conference, which is closing. So let's go out with the hurrah. Let's get UCLA and run them down and see what we can do.
0: I love it, man. Look, I completely agree with all that, and like the 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 SC UCLA rivalry is fantastic. I also love that both of those teams wear color on color uniforms. That's awesome. It's the best, man. Like yeah. I swear, I wish college football did that more. Like you, you feel like you're watching, you know, a game from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Like you could just feel the history between both of those. I 100 percent agree. I wish that you know more schools would do it. Now, Chip, you've got an official play of this game as well, UCLA plus six and a half, man. Followed up, Micah, what do you bring down?
1: Yeah, I think the step up in competition has to be taken into consideration, and <clears throat> as does the rain, which frankly, from my initial breakdown, allows Oregon to potentially overcompensate for one of their biggest weaknesses because Oregon's pass defense is not awesome. And I thought that UCLA, with the way that Dorian Thompson Robinson has been throwing the ball, was going to have a real advantage there. Now, we're not dealing with You know, I think it's five to ten mile an hour winds. Yes, there's going to be a lot of rain, about a quarter inch of accumulation throughout the game. But I still think that this Bruins team going up against Oregon's defense is going to have a little bit of an advantage. And plus, why would I worry about the rain when, according to a clip I just saw, Chip Kelly's out at practice with a super soaker spraying off the punt punt returner, making sure that they're going to be able to uh, handle it. Clearly, Chip Kelly, who, by the way, I made fun of for the million-dollar meal table, and that UCLA team, they're whooping some tail in the trenches. The million-dollar meal table is starting to pay off with the Bruins on the nutrition front. So, yeah, this is a game I think UCLA can win. It's a game I absolutely think is going to be close. I'm throwing it in the same bucket as that Oklahoma State play where I just think the game – it's gonna play out in a way where it is a, a field goal, uh, a touchdown, fours, threes, all stuff that's gonna be a lot of value if you're sitting on the underdog plus six and a hook.
0: Yeah. I dude, this UCLA team's legit. Like they're super legit. This team is good, man. And I love that Chip Kelly's doing that. Like, not only for the fun, but yeah, man, like it's that's good practice, you know. Get the ball at See old Peyton Manning when he would dunk the ball in the uh the bucket of water, you know, and then snap and throw. Oh. Uh, I like it, man. All right, so we don't have official plays, Fornelli, on you or Fetner, but you both lean the exact same way. So, Fetner, start us off. You both lean towards the over, 69-and-a-half. So, Fetner, started off. Fornelli, follow him up. I didn't do enough
4: research. I didn't even know it was raining in this game, but I kind of like the over more here. We have the total coming at 72. This is a really good matchup of running backs. Zach Charbonnet has been a beast for UCLA. And Oregon's running back, Marquise Irving, has been one of the most underrated backs this season. He's a Minnesota transfer. He's been looking really good. I think this could be a high-scoring, classic Pac-12 affair. Give me the over here.
0: Where we got got Brunelli.
3: Yeah, I. this is just the kind of matchup where I think it's going to be hard for either one of these teams to stop the other because their strengths on offense perfectly align with the weaknesses of the opposing defense. Like Oregon's defense has been pretty awful all season long in most metrics where you want to look at it. But what really stands out to me about this matchup is on offense, these are two of the best early downs offenses in the country, which in, not coincidentally makes them two of the best third and fourth down offenses in the country you know who two of the worst third and fourth down defenses are in the country? It's Oregon and UCLA. So both of these offenses are great at picking up first downs and extending drives. And both of these defenses are terrible at getting off the field and ending drives. Doesn't sound like we're going to have a whole lot of stops in this one. So give me the over.
0: (laughs) There we go. I think you're right, man. I think you're right. All right. Our final game here. All right. We got 17th ranked Kansas state at eighth-ranked TCU. TCU, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. A total of 54. We have two official plays. So, Fornelli, I'm going to throw it right back at you. You like Kansas State plus three-and-a-half here.
3: Yeah, I talked about this a little last week, and it almost came to fruition, although they did come back to win the game, but... TCU is due for a letdown. It's just it's it happens every single season when you see it happen to a good team who goes through a whole bunch of big games in a row. And TCU has played nonstop, big game after big game, whether it's the rivalry with the S- with SMU or it was Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and now Kansas State, which is one of their primary contenders, the only other undefeated team left in the Big Twelve. So, I think that they're due for that letdown. I also think that part of the problem that the Hornfrogs Frogs face is as good as they've been. They've become too reliant on Quentin Johnston, who, as I said earlier in the show, is a terrific wide receiver. But Kansas State is a team who defensively, nobody really has a corner who can match up with him outside of a few, you know, future NFL guys. But I think defensively, Kansas State is solid enough to where they can kind of take him out of the game and keep this one close. And we've seen TCU's defense not exactly outstanding. They give they don't do a very good job of getting off the field themselves. They give up big explosive plays in the air. Adrian Martinez is kind of a random number generator of a human being at times when he's playing quarterback, but sometimes more often than not, that number spits out a big play and he makes something happen. And I think Adrian Martinez is going to make some plays happen. Keep Kansas State in the game. Keep it close if they don't come out with the outright win. So I like the Wildcats in the three and a half points. If it's over three, I'm taking Kansas State all day.
0: All right. There we go, man. There we go. Now, Mike, I throw it over to you. I believe also in official play on this game. You like TCU here with the three and a half.
2: Yeah. And it all comes down to that number. So uh, I have TCU two and a half points better than Kansas State if they played on a neutral field. But the home field is where the edge is, plus five. So in reality, to me, the game should be seven or seven and a half, and it's an automatic play to take TCU and the momentum. And, you know, at Kansas State, I don't, they've done great things today, and they've had this massive turnaround with Adrian Martinez, no interceptions this season, uh, four touchdowns passing, nine touchdowns rushing the ball. He's been phenomenal, plus eight turnover margin. Can that really sustain itself? I mean, th- this is a team they lost – to Tulane right I mean TCU I think they're going to keep at it the one thing I'm worried about here 18 mile per hour wins that's about the point where passes start to have difficulty to be completed and that's a big relied on TCU but they have a really good running game too, balance attack so I just I just think the the talent and the class and then take the luck out of the factor and you got undefeated TCU I think they keep rolling keep winning and um, stay alive in the playoff berth.
0: there we go man there we go now Fetter, Chip, you both have leans on this game. Fetter, go first. You lean over 54. Chip, you lean Kansas State plus three and a half. So, yeah, Fetter, go first. Chip, bring it
4: on. I, I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago, Deuce Vaughn's my favorite player to watch. I love Deuce Vaughn, and I don't trust TCU's defense. And with a number of 54, I know wind is a factor. I think 54 is a little too low. I see this total going in the 60s. I think Deuce Vaughn should have 150 yards in this game. TCU is going to have to throw the ball to keep up with them. Kendra Miller is a good back. They're going to have to to put up numbers if they want to stay in this game. I would lean Kansas State getting three and a half, but I like the over a little better.
1: Yeah, Chip. so um, I don't think that TCU's defense has played uh, an attack that's going to be as unique as what Kansas State's going to provide. And I think that the whole game plan is going to be to use Adrian Martinez's legs, use Deuce Vaughn's legs, uh, try to win battles up front, put together long drives, limit the number of times that Max Duggan and this explosive TCU offense can get the ball, take the crowd out of it. I think that Kansas State has a great chance to win this game. Don't hate it as a money line. Three and a half is absolutely going to be a play. I mean, but, I mean, you know who the real loser is? <laughs> I'm not just saying it was an official play and throwing it on there because I, I think Kansas State is going to be a very, very tough out for TCU. Uh, so, yeah, give me Kansas State plus the three and a half.
0: All right, there we go, man. There we go. Your energy cracks me up, man. All right, everybody, grab your paper, grab your pencil. Let's take a recap here. It does look glorious. All right. Tom is on Indiana plus three and a half. Louisiana Monroe Army under 55 and a half. Purdue plus two and a half. Georgia Southern plus two and a half. Kansas State plus three and a half. Jacob Fettner is on Cincinnati team total over three and a half. Ohio Northern Illinois over 65 and a half. Wake Forest team total over 40 and a half. And Indiana plus three and a half. Chip Patterson is on Ole Miss LSU under 66 and a half. Louisiana Monroe plus seven. Oklahoma State plus six and a half. Duke plus nine. And UCLA plus six and a half. Micah Roberts is on Florida International plus 14 and a half. Oklahoma State plus six and a half. Syracuse plus 13 and a half. Mississippi State, Alabama under 61. UCLA plus six and a half. And TCU minus three and a half. All right. We always end every show, man. Like wanting to know what you guys are working on because you guys are the best. And we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join us. So, Micah, I'll start with you as you always do. My man, you work on everything at Sportsline. Every single sport. What do you got going on? What do we need to check out?
2: Uh, yeah, I did an article for the NASCAR race at Homestead, Miami. Only three races left in the NASCAR season. Only two left in the round of eight here. So should be exciting. A lot of stuff on the line. You saw some fireworks last week. Bubba Wallace is suspended for this race for his erratic driving and uh, rage incident. But uh <laughs> should be a good race. There we
0: go, man. All right, for Nelly, coming to you first. We'll go Chip right after you
3: uh cover three podcasts mondays wednesdays thursdays 11 a.m eastern live on youtube you can also subscribe to the podcast on any podcast app and we also have our saturday night reaction shows which usually go live around 11 30 eastern but could be a little earlier could be a little later depending on what's happening you can read all my writing at cbsports.com, including my quarterback power rankings which just came out today and the bottom 25 which comes out on tuesday and other than that i don't know uh i'll probably be sitting on the couch watching tv a lot so you can find me there anytime you want i
0: love it
1: Chip. We, had, uh, we had cigars out you know and i had nothing but uh the gas station's finest black and mild ready to go for tennessee's win and so when you get to watch live you get to see uh what kind of what, what cigars last week who knows what we'll bring this week watch the Cover three podcast live on youtube on saturday nights Dude,
0: you guys' show was electric, man. I watched it. It was fantastic. And I'll say, everybody out there, if you want good betting karma this week, first, go check out Micah's articles on Sportsline.com and subscribe on YouTube and podcasts. all right, to the Cover 3 podcast. Even if you don't plan on listening, even though this family, the early edge, is welcome in the Cover 3 family. Like, these are two, like, cousins, like, coming together, right? Like, you're always welcome over there. But even if you can't check it out right now, Just hit subscribe. Like, it's good good karma for you. Add them up. Do it. You'll love it. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back live next week for College Football Week 9. But until then, best of luck. It's Cashy's Tickets. We'll see you next week.